Welcome to Quranism. This is Quran. Welcome to this episode of the Quranism Show podcast. Life is often unpredictable, and a huge part of our lives is death. One of the most difficult things about parenthood is experiencing grief through the eyes of a child. In this episode, our guest is Shantia Carter, a licensed clinical therapist and founder of Art of Peace Wellness in Charlotte, North Carolina. I thought it important to discuss children and grief because I discovered it's one of those difficult conversations we often avoid. Every person has a different response to experiencing loss, and when you consider children who may not be able to fully articulate what or how they feel, we have to open the door so they too can heal. Shantia helps us to get a better understanding of grief, its process, the human response to it, and how to love each other through it. Listen in. Today we're joined by Shantia Carter, a licensed clinical therapist and founder of Art of Peace Wellness in Charlotte, North Carolina. We welcome her to Quranism. Thank you, Quran. I appreciate that. So, Shantia, just to give a little bit of context to this conversation, I, I wanted to have this conversation because um, my little one, who happens to be eight years old, lost someone who was very important in her life, her best friend's mom. And this is not a relationship that I was a part of. This was someone she saw every day, someone who you know, really dug her energy and was really into her and, and, and the children are very, very close. So she's taking it very hard. It is a loss that is felt throughout the school community, um, but especially in the classroom and especially with her. And as I began to um, talk to other parents and, and other faculty and staff at the school um, who did a great job of managing um, the wellness of the children, of caring for the children in the face of this tragedy and unexpected death. Um, I thought that it was necessary to have a conversation about grief, what it is, and to get a better understanding of those stages of grief, especially in the context of the children. So uh, let's begin with what is grief? Well, grief is that process uh, by which we are uh, uh, let go of and begin to um, feel the loss um, very viscerally in some cases of the person who is um, who has passed away, who has expired. And when that happens, um, there are multiple roles that the person filled. And so they, we have both the loss of them as the person in the essence, their life force that they were, and also the loss of them in fulfilling the role that they were to us. So though you may have lost, I'm going to give you an example. When I worked in the school system um, as a school social worker prior to getting my therapist license, um, I would come into contact with young folks, uh, students who had experienced a recent loss. And, and one little girl had lost her older brother. Um, and her older brother, who was a middle schooler, she was in elementary school, would get her off of the school bus so he would get her off of the school bus and then he would help her with her homework sometimes he would help her to prepare a meal then he would put her to bed after telling her a bedtime story so not only did she lose her big brother but then she also will be reminded of this every time she gets ready to get off the bus 
mm-hmm. do her homework and eat her dinner and get ready to go to bed. So all of those things that he was to her is also that part is also missing from the young person's life or any person's life at any stage. That is something that is subject to happen to us. So when we're grieving, we're actually feeling the loss that is there. There's a hole that's been created in um, our lives and in our hearts. And so we're trying to come to terms with that. I guess one of my biggest questions is how do we explain death and dying to children outside of the context of religion? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That that's really um, a good question, and um, I mean, first, just let me start by saying that the the typical five stages of grief. There are there's one model that uses seven, but for me, I ascribe to the five stages when I'm trying to help people to uh, cope with grief, and the five stages that that uh, that are there are denial, anger bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. Um, and through that framework, um, it's pretty consistent regardless of the age of the person that's experiencing it. Um, it, you know, the first part is just trying to come to terms that, you know, that this thing has happened because it's so fresh when it first, when it first occurs that it's often hard for the child to even understand what does that really mean if they've never encountered death. So with an adult, at least you understand the principles of life and death and how it, you know, the flow, the natural order of things, the life cycle. But as a child, you may not even, you know, have, have lost a pet or um, anything that will prepare you for this. So just in understanding that people expire, that we are born and we die. That part, you know, is is a blow to a child who's never experienced a loss on that wise. So um, that's the first part that you start with, that we all have a life cycle. You know, it's um, you know, you can start with with the birds and the bees and the bugs and and then the pets and then us. Um, I think about that. What is that poem that says everything I ever needed to know I learned in kindergarten? And it talks Mm -hmm. about the little flower in the cup. You know, it dies and so do we, you know, so just starting with that, there are lots of really good books. And I, I, I'm sorry that I don't have any that I can reference right off top of my head, but there are a lot of good children's books that deal with it um, very eloquently in, in some respects. But um, I mean, uh, you know, the ones that even the children's stories that we grew up with, I mean, Bambi. There's mm-hmm. and then there's um, the Land Before Time. There's you know there's a, even the Lion King. So yes. just you may maybe even starting at the level where they are just to even just explain death. And um now I I do like that you say outside of the lens in the framework of religion, um but we do exist in a context where there's some spirituality to what we go through. So um you know whatever you ascribe to. If you believe that there is an afterlife that gives people and children, especially sometimes a comfort Mm -hmm. into at least understanding that this is a time of separation, but it's not a forever. So um, if you believe we come back as orbs of light or angels or we, you know, float around uh, like the Casper the Friendly Ghost style, however you're thinking that that happens, at least if you have a framework, then it's more of 
a I'll see you uh, and I'll see you later than it is a goodbye for that child if that's the case. Um, and now I I've counseled both children uh, 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 and I haven't counseled any children who didn't have some framework. And that's funny that I'm just thinking of that. I mm-hmm. haven't counseled any children that had no framework or concept of some type of afterlife, but I would imagine I would use the same uh, skills and tools. And one of them is there's a story called um, the dragonfly. And it's about the, 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 the caterpillars that live underneath the surface of the water. And then they go to the surface one day and they leave and they never come back and say how wonderful it is. And so um, that's just, you know, a, a life cycle thing more so than a spirituality thing. But it's an analogy um, and it can more so be like that. You know, they can't come back from the other side. But we have to accept and understand that perhaps there's something better over there. And so it's a little bit of a hope with that. So it it puts a little salve on the wound, if you will. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of, you know, that part. But just dealing with understanding that children will experience the denial, the anger, the bargaining, the depression and the acceptance as well. And then also understanding that depression in a child looks very different sometimes than it does on an adult. It may look like the child, the child may be despondent. Um, uh, They might not be sad. They might be irritable. That is actually a very uh, real part of depression um, and a a way that it presents itself that some people don't, they misunderstand. They may act out. And so they're thinking my child is being bad, but it's really that they're trying to deal with and cope with. They don't have the words to express or a method that, you know, is is acceptable, so to speak, that they're able to, you know, act out what they're feeling inside. So it may look like, you know, irritability or picking on um, other students or, um, you know, and it may follow some of the same courses as it will um, in your textbook forms of depression where you're thinking that, the, you know, loss of appetite, loss of, um, loss of sleep, loss of sleep uh-huh, or too much sleep or, mm-hmm. you know, overeating and, you know, all, all of the same things that we would deal with and, and how it would be characterized and, and, and come forth and personify itself in an adult as well. Now, children have very much an intuitive nature and there's some concepts they can easily grasp but there are others infinite concepts the term forever knowing what forever means um explaining what things that have no end how then do you give a solid answer to a child who's looking for a definitive response uh, um, that's a, that's a good question. Well, I think object permanency is the thing. Um, they won't come back in the form that we saw them in. Um, you know, speaking of the person that has, has passed on, but we can still communicate with them. I mean, mm-hmm. you, that's one thing that I always, you know, because whether whether they can hear us or they can't, it's therapeutic. So, you know, taking the if if the child um, was able to, you know, go through the the funeral or funeral or homegoing or whatever memorial service, and or maybe even has a picture or can go to the gravesite of or so bringing closure for a child. Um, it pretty much, I say, can resemble the same thing that would go forth uh, that I would prescribe for an adult. You do, you have to help them find closure in the best way that they can. Um, but then it doesn't have to be closure. 
It can be, okay, you can talk to, you know, you can talk out loud and say what you need or feel to that person at any point. You can write them a letter. You can, you know, talk to me and, and about them because I hold a little piece of them too, you know, for, mm-hmm. let them get with someone who is also experiencing that loss from of, of that person and they share in that together. So those are just a couple of things that I can maybe throw out that might be helpful. Well, we do know that that all things come to an end. And after you've gone through the stages of grief, how do you encourage and support a child who may be experiencing those latter stages um, mm-hmm. where that those memories become, the only way I can describe it, I, I, what I said to my daughter is each day gets a little bit easier for you to accept. Mm-hmm time will help you accept and eventually your tears will turn into smiles because you'll remember more of the good things instead of the event of the death itself. So with so many negative uh, messages about death, so many things that are uh, in, in, in media, in, in our television and film industry, all the messages they get, even in the streets, on the news that they hear about death being a bad thing, how can we shift the context of that conversation with our children um, to kind of lighten that burden for them, if at all, if we can? That framework, again, um, that we use, that lens that we use, whether it be a spiritual one or one that maybe you just come up with in your family, um, you know, because we, we can put, I want to say, fam- family policies and procedures in place, ways that we, rituals and ceremonies that we do, um, that we agree upon, that can bring us peace and comfort. Um, uh, you know, um, at best... Um, I can say that, you know, with the rising and the setting of the sun, it's like, you know, if you believe that we go to sleep, because I mean, there's some paradigms and they see it through that lens, the person is sleeping and then one day we'll all be together. That still gives them, you know, the permanency of the promise of forever together. Um, Those are, I feel like, well, I guess for, for because of my own personal paradigm, not to put it out there, but that those seem to be a little easier to swallow, if you will, than the than the than the than the, pe- the persons who have maybe more of an unknown. You know, I guess the peace comes in if you have something to hitch your horse to uh, regarding your beliefs of if you'll be reunited. Um, I even think about when I um, I had a pet that died, and they gave me the story of the Rainbow Bridge. And this is a beautiful story whereby all the pets that you've ever had, when you um, cross over, transition um, to the other side, there's a bridge and it looks like a rainbow. And when you get there, all your pets are there and they're in their best and happiest and healthiest form. And, you know, that, you know, is a beautiful thought. So Mm -hmm. if something is a beautiful thought, even if it's not your religious paradigm, if it brings you peace in a time where you need it and it comforts you, then it's a tool and it's a helpful tool. So I would say, you know, leaning upon those types of stories or um, things that you can give your child that will offer hope and peace. The last question I have for you, well, it might not be the last question, but mm-hmm. the we've talked about this in, in the context of helping our children, but how can we best serve ourselves when we too are grieving with them 
if it's the loss of a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or mm -hmm. a family member, or, when that grief is shared um, and you have two people at different stages of life that are grieving in different ways, mm -hmm. how can we best support ourselves and our younger family members? I'm so glad you asked that question because I think in so many families, the older family members or the, the you know, they, they, they want to be strong for the children. I don't want the baby to see me cry. So mm -hmm. I'm going to act like I'm okay and put on a brave face. But what you're really doing is denying the, the young person the uh, the uh, the modeling that they need that to understand that there are going to be days that you cry. There are going to be days that you don't feel like smiling because you miss them. You know, and so, and it's all right. But I say the common denominator and the supporting factor and all of that is always going to be the love. Mm -hmm. You come back to the love you have for each other, the love you have for them, and understanding that even though they're not there, that's that object permanency I was talking about. The person is gone, but I still feel the love. And so, because I don't have anywhere to put this love, that's where the hurt comes from. And, um, you know, you know, lots of disorder can come from grief that's not properly processed. So mm -hmm. we as adults have to model good, good coping, good, good dealing with grief. We have to come through it and be authentic. I think that's the main thing. Children can sense they're very keen um, little people, wise little people. They can sense if we're being inauthentic. So we need right. to just if you feel like crying, crying, if you need to holler, cuss, scream, what you need to do to get through it. That's what I tell people um, that I'm that I'm counseling with grief. Don't hold yourself. I mean, I don't want you to get stuck and do see a professional if you do find that you're grieving. And it's not linear. To and, and Let me say that, too. Mm -hmm. I forgot to say that part. It's very important. The stages of grief are not linear. Um, you know, you may go to denial, anger, anger, bargaining, depression and go back to denial again. You know, it's I, it's not even a, a, a circle. It's more of a, you know, in a, a figure amaze. eight almost. Yeah, it's a maze. <laughs> you you got to get through, and we we will be we all we'll all be at different places places at different times. But being able to stand in your truth and assert what you need at that time, maybe at that time you need you need a hug. <laughs> maybe at that time you need some ice cream. I don't know, but my thing is to make sure that you're able to try to at least say I I'm still not feeling strong enough and I need I need to lean on you and so being there for one another is important and not trying to say something's not there and tamping it down unexpressed emotions don't die they fester and then they manifest themselves in other ways later how do you respond or how what is an appropriate way to respond to someone who responds inappropriately to another's grief meaning there are going to be some people who over time might say it's time to get over it or you need to get past it or suck it up. You got to be mm -hmm. strong. What is an appropriate response to that foolishness? And I call it foolishness because that's what it, it is. is. Foolishness. They may There's not know better, but mm -hmm. you know. There's a lot of foolishness that goes on with grieving, unfortunately, for people who don't when they're feeling uncomfortable, they don't want us to, you know, be sad, not because they don't want us, you know, they want they want to make us feel better, but more so because it makes them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And what happens in those times is when people throw out religious cliches and scriptures, which the scriptures are true, you know, if you if you're a subscriber of that, but that doesn't make this pain go away right now. 
Um, so I think well-meaning, well-intentioned people sometimes come off as, as like, like you say, stupid. <laughs> so um, I guess the best thing to do is not be one of those people. Um, go ahead and, and allow yourself to ask for what you need and cut people off if they're offering you advice that you don't think is really sound. And, you know, you could even say, I think you mean well, but that's not really helpful to me right now. Um, asserting yourself in that. Um, the people who would tell you that, you know, your time for grieving should be over. Um, I met a widow the other day that's been grieving for four years. Um, and I didn't, you know, I would never, yeah. you know, tell anybody. I mean, she, she's, uh, anniversaries and birthdays are, are especially hard. And this was the anniversary of his death. So, I mean, you're going to have those hard times and you might be 10, 20 years down the road and, and the day happened upon you and you realize what day it is and it kind of floods back. We're human. Um, we, we ebb and flow. So um, we all do it in our own way. Allow people to 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 be, you know, they're awesome. they're true to themselves, and they need to express it the way that they need to express it. If you're uncomfortable, then you remove yourself, but you don't tell a grieving person anything about how long they should be doing. There should there should be any should not be any shoulds. <laughs> there should not be any. I love that. There should not mm -hmm. be any shoulds. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much for joining us for this important discussion. Can you tell us a little bit about Art of Peace Wellness? What's, what moved you to create it and whom do you serve? Art of Peace Wellness um, it exists to support, um, educate, nourish, and replenish healers, helpers, and heroes. Um, these are, um, I, I I'm open for all people, but I specifically am, and, and, and created Art of Peace for helpers and caregivers, um, people in the military, people um, who have, and this is not active, but maybe not active duty, because when you're active, you have access to VA, but even if you didn't want to use the VA, I do, um, I'm working on getting boarded with TRICARE. Um, also, uh, teachers, educators, ministers, people in, in healthcare and, and education um, and counselors. So we um, must be very diligent at making sure we replenish as parents, foster parents. I mean, there's any list of people you can put under the caregiving umbrella, um, but caregivers must be sure to replenish themselves. We can give nothing from an empty vessel. So we must be sure to secure our own oxygen mask before looking to those with us that may be more vulnerable than ourselves because if we perish then they surely will as well so um that that is why we exist our sole purpose is to make sure we help people to replenish and repeat that process and where can we find you online um you can find art of peace wellness at aopwellness.com Com. That's our website. We also have a Facebook page and we're on Twitter at Renew the Well. So, yes, please do follow us, like us. We um, love to, to hear from people and hear uh, uh, about all about the wonderful things that, that you're doing out there in the community. And, and uh, we want you to check us out as well. I want to thank Shantia for her time and her wisdom. Please remember, click subscribe, tell a friend. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. Visit us online at coronismshow.com.